The more stories that come out about the demise of the Pac-12 indicate that the Big 12 is lucky to have a guy like Brett Yormark leading the way, and he says a lot of what he has done for this conference in his own words on today's show. We also look back at some of the blunders the Pac-12 made in contrast to the successes the Big 12 has had during this run of conference realignment. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a huge thank you for subscribing, for watching the show, commenting, liking, do all the different things that help the algorithms out there in the universe uh, promote this show on all the various platforms, whether it's regular podcast feeds, on YouTube or the like. Thank you all the same for all of your guys' endless support. Quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season from our friends at FanDuel. Start today with doing that at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Alright, let's dive right in on today's show and Some interesting stories and podcasts have come out in the last couple of days regarding the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Obviously not just the Pac-4 because that conference is very much in peril with just four remaining members. Obviously the Pac-12 scooping up four of those schools that were originally members of the Pac-12, speaking of Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. And I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the juxtaposition of what Brett Yormark and the Big 12 have done as compared to kind of the stories that just continue to come out about the buffoonery and the idiocy that the Pac-12 has just enabled under its uh, chancellors, university presidents, even its commissioner's watch. It's just, it's a cavalcade and just a hilarious, uh, just story after story saying these guys just can't get out of their way and they couldn't get out of their own way and that's why they're in the position that they're in right now. So I want to start off with the positive. Let's talk about the Big 12 for a moment. Now, Brett Yormark, Big 12 Commissioner, joined uh, the Orand and Marshan uh, podcast. I mean, what's the name of it? I apologize. It's yeah, Marshan and Orand Sports Media Podcast and had a lot to say about what's happening with the Big 12. We're going to play two clips from it for you guys here to let you hear uh, from Commissioner Yormark. First one to me was very interesting was that a lot of people have been out there talking about the pro rata clauses. Obviously, that was a big attractive thing for those schools to jump from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 Conference. Well, Brett Yormark explained exactly what's going on, who exactly has a pro rata clause, and uh, what exactly the status is with regards to all that. So listen to this and understand that this is kind of the, this, this stands in stark contrast to what the Pac-12 at least had going on. Here's Brett Yormark, part one. We do have a pro rata clause with ESPN. It's not in the Fox deal, but we've talked to Fox. They see the value of, of expansion and what it can mean for us today and in the future, and they're involved um, you know, financially and very supportive. So it worked out well for us. 
There you go, Brett Yormark. You heard him say, okay, yeah, the pro rata clause is in effect with ESPN. It is not in effect in the contract, at least, with Fox, but Fox is playing ball with this conference, and I don't think that should be surprising to anybody. I think Fox is understanding that, hey, we've got some pretty good properties in this conference. Are they the top tier like we have in their minds in the Big Ten? No, but they are a valuable property or properties in their own mind, and it sounds like he said they're playing ball. Does that mean that they have ponied up exactly what they're supposed to do on pro rata? Don't know, because uh, Brett Yormark did not, he was not that forthcoming on that. But all the same, it's a very, very good thing to have these two partners, speaking of Fox and ESPN, in your back pocket. That stands in stark contrast, like I said, to the Pac-12 that essentially angered everybody when it comes to linear television by thinking it was too good for its own liking. Uh, the story coming out in the L.A. Times uh, was an inside story on the Pac-12's demise. It comes from uh, Brady McCullough, who does a great job writing about college sports and the like. Well, here's the thing. They had, uh, they're given the stakes of notif- negotiations during all this. Uh, the Pac-12 CEO group met last summer with a deal. Let's see. Bra- Klavkov, George Klavkov brought the schools in the Pac-12 an ESPN offer of $30 million per school annually for all of their rights. The Pac-12's analysis said the schools would be worth somewhere in the v- mid $30 million range so they could get back back to ESPN with a reasonable counter in the high $30 million range, and maybe the two sides would wind up around $35 million. But then this is where the buffoonery and just thinking that you are too cool for school comes into effect. Listen to this. When the Pac-12 CEO group met to discuss the offer, one of the league presidents had other ideas. The president worked with a professor on his campus to come up with their own estimate of what the 10 schools not including USC and UCLA, who, by the way, the Big Ten had already scooped up because Carolyn Fultz had helped shut down their expansion ideas in the Pac-12. So it says this, uh, came up with their own estimate of what the 10 schools should get based on their market valuation, $50 million. Now, this report's not new because we had heard that the Pac-12 had gone back to ESPN and said, we want $50 million per school, and according to the reports, they were essentially laughed out of the room. They are like, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, the quote here says, George and our media consultant were pretty clear there was some risk, but they said, nope, our numbers show that we're worth this. Go ask for a source with direct knowledge of the negotiations, not authorized to speak publicly about them, told the Times, and finishes the quote, ESPN did not react very well to it. Well, no, duh. When you think that ESPN's like, okay, we'll give you $30 million. We want $50 million. We want a 67% increase on what you actually are offering us. That's, we won't take a penny less. Who is this professor? Who is this university president who thinks that they were calling the shots? You torpedoed yourselves. What buffoons. What idiots run that conference. There's no, there's a very clear reason or many reasons to me that the Pac-12, why it fell apart and why it is currently on life support. It's because of crap like this. They had a commissioner in Larry Scott before George Klyovkov who was staying in penthouse suites and flying uh, to games and leaving at halftime on private jets and refused to live anything less than the A-lister life uh, while collecting millions upon millions of dollars and claiming that he was he was acting in the conference's best interest. All the while, he's just scooping up money and, and, and socking it away because they paid for his house and he never had to pay the loan back. Just... Idiot, idiocy. And now they bring in George Klyovkov, and yes, he had bona fides, obviously, having built, uh, helped build Hulu and uh, having negotiated with uh, various sports entities and obviously working with MGM International in the entertainment sphere. The thought that he would come in and really be able to get a handle on things. Well, he let Carolyn Folt, the University of South Carolina president, torpedo any chance of uh, of expansion for the 
Pac-12 when they were considering scooping up the the quote-unquote hateful eight in the Big 12 Conference. She said, we don't need to expand. Ten ten months later, she and uh, UCLA were out the door, speaking of USC and UCLA, to the Big 10. Then George Klyovkov has the bright idea, I'm going to go to the Board of Regents in California. I'm going to force their hand and make them uh, force UCLA to stay in the conference. There was no way that that politicking was going to work in your best interest. It was only going to uh, obviously engender a lot of envy and just downright bad feelings in the conference. And we heard in this story that Oregon's president, I don't have it in front of me, torpedoed that idea and said, we will not take less money than UCLA, no matter if this works out, which it probably won't and ultimately did not. The the Pac-12, they just, I, I don't get it. I don't get where they get off in thinking that they were worth $50 million. This is a dude, just use a kind of a, a fun analogy. This is like you thinking, okay, I could go out with this girl, and then you have his buddy over here. No, I, dude, I think you can go out with this girl who's a 10. And you, you're valuing yourself. You're like, a, a, you're like, okay, I'm a 6. She's a 6. It works out. No, bro, you, you, got, you can get that 10 right over there. You got this. It's not going to work out. And it didn't work out for the Pac-12. What buffoons, what idiots, who is running this conference? My goodness, you guys can't get out of your own way. So, uh, and I just, the more I read about the Pac-12, I just can't believe it. And frankly, I'm I'm stunned that they made it as far as they did, frankly. It, It just brutal brutal scenes for the Pac-12 reading through all this. Now, that brings me to the the last part of what I want to talk about here, flipping it back over to the Big 12. So part two of what I wanted to play from the Orand and Marshan Sports Media podcast with Big 12 Commissioner, uh, uh, not George Klyovkov, uh, speaking of uh, uh, Brett Yormark, he had a very interesting piece on the newcomers to the conference. And in this piece uh, that Brady McCullough wrote, he talked about the fact that the, the Big 12, after the Pac-12, Pac-12 decided against adding as many as those eight remaining schools in the Big 12. They turned around and added the four new schools, BYU among them, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. We all know this. And as Brady writes, those 12 schools, they weren't in any danger of being scooped up by the Big 10 or the SEC, but they were able to present a united front and go out there and secure their own media rights deal. Well, uh, Brett Yormark was very complimentary of the work that Bob Bowlesby did to bring those four new schools into the conference, and he thinks the four of them were a huge key to the Big 12 getting the media rights still that they're very much are happy and uh, grateful to have right now. You know, Bob Bowlesby did a heck of a job. You know, I told them when I took the job, all he's doing is passing the baton to me. And and he and he gave me a really great platform when you think about his recovery efforts with the four schools, um, Houston and UCF and, and Cincinnati and BYU. I mean, those were great gets on the heels of Oklahoma and Texas and really solidified us. And in fact, if those four schools weren't here, I'm not sure I would have had the ability to go early with ESPN and Fox because they really helped me in my in, in my storytelling. There you go, Brett Yormark, and you can tell that he is very appreciative of the work that Bob Bowlesby did, and you got to give a, a lot of credit to Bob Bowlesby. There's no doubt about this. This is a guy who understood what it was going to take for this conference to uh, succeed. He actually flew to Montana, one of the reports out there as well, and met with George Klyovkov and said, hey, George, what about merging? And George Klyovkov said, nah, we're good, homie. 
just, just more, more, the more and more, like I said, I read and hear about the Pac-12. The, the, the fact that they are doing this is just so stupid. And in this LA Times article, it says new Big 12 commissioner was able to convince his schools that stability was more important than fighting for every last dime. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 thinks that they were worth 67% more than ESPN, who, by the way, uh, they very much needed in their back pocket, was like, no, we, we need $50 million. And we're not taking, we're not taking a dime less. What are you guys doing? And I guess, no, what are you guys doing? What you guys are doing is you have four schools left, and now you're looking to uh, just save face in any way, shape, or form that you possibly can. And it just does not, it does not bode well uh, for the Pac-12. Their hubris, their own, uh, I guess, air of self-worth, inflated egos, whatever it is, has caused their downfall. And the Big 12 is standing tall at the end of the day. All those people out there that were crowing about the Big 12 is going to fall apart, well, guess what? They sure look foolish today. There's a lot of egg on their faces. And like I said, the more stories that come out about this situation, it's absolutely insane. Like I said, that the Pac-12 made it as far as they did. But, hey, if you're a Big 12 member, which BYU is, and now you have U- uh, not USC, you have Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado as a member of the conference, be proud of where you're at. Because Brett Yormark, yeah, he is a stone-cold killer, it feels like, but he also understands you don't push the limits when there's a very uh, – Kind of, I don't know how how to say this directly. It, it's not a very stable media rights market out there. And he took it. You know what? Let's get this deal. Let's prove our worth, and then we'll go back into the market. He's also really big on basketball. He said that on that podcast as well. Thinking he said that we're getting twenty five cents on the dollar in terms of our basketball uh, media rights and the the worth of uh, basketball. He thinks it's completely undervalued. We'll see what happens. I, I'm very interested what the future holds for this conference. But just be very. Very appreciative of the work that Brett Yormark did because, in retrospect, the hubris, like I said, the just the the overall inflated idea of who they were. Speaking of the pact, we're the we're the conference of champions. That BS blew up in their face to a spectacular degree. Absolute insane scenes. The the more I read and or hear about it, like like I've been mentioning multiple times. All right, uh, we will step off that soapbox. But we're going to talk a little bit about BYU wide receivers. I had a great chance to catch up with BYU wide receiver Parker Kingston. He is a great young man. Obviously, uh, working his way up the depth chart in training camp for BYU. Had a great chat with him recently. We're going to play that conversation for you guys coming up next right here. Unlocked on Cougars. Now, first a word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been working with us for months now. They are a really, really proud partner of ours. And football season is about to kick off. We all know this, my friends. And FanDuel is giving you the chance to win win big all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Think about that. If you're going to have a Super Bowl winner, they're probably going to win 14, 15, 16 times in the regular season. That's the best part about this. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you get bonus bets for every single victory this season in the NFL. You can use use those bonus bets to bet on other spreads, player props, over-unders, and many, many more options out there. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today and start earning those bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. One more time, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for making it your first listen and obviously being everydayers with us here on the podcast. 
Coming up on tomorrow's show, it is a Friday. It's Mailbag Friday here on the podcast. If you guys got questions, send them in now uh, via social media. Email LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Always appreciate all of your guys' questions. We'll address any and all of them that you guys can get to us in time for tomorrow's show. All right, uh, let's talk BYU wide receivers. Now, Parker Kingston is a name that I think some of you who have watched Utah high school ranks over the past five to six years probably know his name. He's currently working his way up the depth chart at BYU, and he's a guy who's got, as, as I say all the time about him, pure, unadulterated speed. This is a kid who was running the 100 meters, the 200 meters in high school, has the legit track speed, but the best part is you're going to hear him say in this exclusive conversation I had with him, he is the fastest guy in pads on the BYU football roster, and he plans to use that to his, uh, to his credit and obviously to his advantage. Here you go, Parker Kingston talking with myself right here on Locked on Cougars. Talking with people and obviously covering you in high school, you're known for your speed. Yeah. You still feel like that's one of your chief skill sets yeah. here at BYU? Yeah, I still feel like that's the major thing that I have is my speed. I mean, I feel like i the fastest on the team. I mean, there's some kids on the team that'll say they are, but I feel like game speed, I think I'm the fastest on the team. I was told by somebody who would know that you were the fastest player in pads in spring camp. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's in, yeah. that's impressive because there are a lot of guys who can do track, and you did track, obviously. I yeah. remember tra- tracking you through high school, but being able to run in full gear as well that fast is yeah. pretty impressive as yeah. well. Yeah, it's I. Some people it doesn't translate, but I'm I'm happy to translate. I feel like I'm faster with a ball in my hands, honestly. Okay. So, yeah. Now, what have you worked on the most since getting to BYU? Probably just learning more about the receiver position because I only yeah. played receiver one year mm-hmm. in high school, and I mean I was just raw. I just ran goes, hitches, just the simple routes, right? <laughs> so now that I'm in the offense, I'm understanding the receiver's position way more. It's like helped me develop, and yeah, I feel like that's been my major thing. Just taking in from Puka, Gunner, Koss, mm-hmm. all those guys last year, just soaking it all in. Puka, obviously, now in the NFL. Yeah. Gunner doing his thing. What did you learn from them, obviously? Because they were pretty established guys when you yeah. got here. Yeah, I just learned the film. Film, always go through the playbook, even if you think you know everything. <laughs> just keep go- keep going through, dial it in. Costs, I roomed with Koss at every game last mm-hmm. year, and he would always he'd always have our play sheet, and then he'd watch the film, look at a play, watch the film, see how he'd run like that specific play against this specific coverage. So I've learned, like, do, like doing that this upcoming season, I feel like will help me a lot. Do you like the fly sweep? Yes, I love it. Yep. <laughs> what, what, what do you like most about it? Just uh, I love seeing Kingsley out there in front of me. Uh, that's, that's not a bad guy to have yep. in front of you. Yep. yep, I like seeing that a lot. Now, obviously working with Coach Fessy, what's, what's he like just as, as a coach and as a, as a dude? Um, he's awesome. Like, he's, he's so different from like, he's so different from every other coach I've had. He's, mm-hmm. he's a player's coach. Like, mm-hmm. he puts you, bef- like, you and yourself before football. Like, before every meeting, it's mm-hmm. how are you, like, how are you feeling, like, all this. And then we get to the football thing. We, mm-hmm. So he's, he's great. I talked with Darius Lassiter, and he told me that he's obviously transferring here from Eastern Michigan. He essentially said that he likes the thing. Obviously, you do your assignment as a wide receiver. But yeah. He said this offense also allows you as a wide receiver to kind of express your personality. Yeah. yeah. You agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. There's a lot of routes where we have choices to do what we want, what we feel based off coverage, our release, everything. He feels he lets us do what we want as long as it's not too, like, out of the ordinary. So, 
Is there a quarterback on the roster that could outthrow you? Like, I think no. I Keaton outthrew me one time. Okay. And I think he threw me outthrew me like two days ago, but it won't happen again. <laughs> Fair yeah. Uh, what's your favorite thing about the BYU experience so far? Uh, the brotherhood that the locker room has. I feel mm-hmm. like we're all so tight knit. Everyone mm-hmm. is just friends with each other. There's no beef anywhere. Like it's just a close brotherhood that we have, and I think this year will be special. What are you hoping to accomplish just yourself and team-wise? Um, I'm just hoping to see what I can do, help help out any way for the team, mm-hmm. just see what happens this year. All right, well, Parker, yeah. thank you. Oh, actually, one other thing. How excited are you playing the Big 12? I oh, super excited. I can't wait to play Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, literally everyone in the Big 12. It's going to be it's gonna be a fun year. Okay, which one, Texas or OU? Which one's the bigger name in your mind? I mean, obviously Texas, okay. but, and it's going to be at Texas, so that's going to be fun playing in front of 100,000 people, which we're not used to that, so it's going to be fun. There you go, Parker Kingston, BYU wide receiver, and I cannot wait to see this kid finally get his chance on the field. Obviously, he's got to be able to make those tough catches, prove that his speed is capable of being uh, utilized. You heard him say he's been overthrown once, but he said it will never happen again. So this is a kid who is really, really confident in his abilities, and he should be. When you can run the fastest in pads of anybody on BYU football, the BYU football roster, there's some speedsters out there. That's really, really impressive. There's a lot of guys. Trust me, there are a lot of dudes who have legit track speed. Translating that to wearing full pads, playing football, and doing it on turf or grass, that's a whole nother story, and that shows you legitimately how fast Parker is, and I cannot wait to see him uh, get his opportunities on fly sweeps, go routes, deep posts. Like the, the ideas that BYU could utilize with his game-breaking speed would be so fun to see, and obviously I'm hoping to see that as soon as this year, and it sounds like, uh, based on what I have seen and or heard, he's probably probably man number six in that wide receiver rotation. He's probably that slot receiver alongside Cody Epps, and the nice part is he is continuing to show what he's capable of, and he's got plenty of time on his side at the same time. He's still a very young player early on in his eligibility, and you can tell he's very excited and very confident uh, just in being a member of the BYU football program, and appreciate him all the same. Thank you to him for taking the time to join me right here on the podcast. All right, we will round out today's edition of the show coming up next. Some final notes, a look ahead to BYU's official season opener for BYU Women's Soccer, the 13th-ranked Cougars in action tonight at Southfield. We'll also talk about two games in the 2022 season as we continue to wind closer and closer to wrapping up our off-season long look at all 155 games and BYU's independent run. We'll get to all that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes real quick. Where, whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes is in Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got many communities, home, des- uh, home designs excuse me, and price points all designed to fit your needs as a consumer. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties along the Wasatch Front. They also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. No matter where you want to live, they've got options for you guys. They offer over 50 unique home designs as well. You know, everything from ramblers to two stories to townhomes and everything in between. Like I said, it's all with the idea of fitting what you're looking for and they're offering, offering general financing incentives to their preferred lender as well right now. So get on it. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. That's P-E-R-R-Y. For those of you who may be wondering out there, check it out. And just a reminder for you guys, for 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday whenever you watch and or listen to this. Uh, just another quick reminder, if you have not done so already, if you're watching this on YouTube, just I'm pointing down here, click that like button. If you're new to this show, subscribe to it, enable notifications, click that bell uh, icon so that when a new episode drops, you guys will always be up to date on everything going on in BYU sports. All right, a couple of things before we go on today's show. Uh, there have been a, 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 the question of the day, and I, fa- I failed to get to this on yesterday's podcast. And I felt bad after I finished recording. I'm like, I never actually got to that question. But uh, there have been a number of you who have reached out with a similar question. And it's, it's in relation to the situation involving Micah Harper. If and when Micah Harper is officially declared out by the BYU uh, football program uh, for the season, a number of you have reached out. And you guys know who you are. Jimmy's reached out. I've had a couple other people ask questions about this. I'm just trying to think who else has asked the question. It's like four or five different people. Uh, I've gotten emails about it. Have asked this. If Michael Harper is out, Jake, what are the chances that Chaz Ayu moves back to safety? Obviously, this is a guy who has bounced between safety and linebacker during his career at BYU, and really, to in many ways, uh, the 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 negative uh, of his career, like it just has not worked out for him to a large degree. He's also dealt with numerous injuries during his time as a Cougar. But to answer the question. I'm just going to say it flat out. I highly doubt he moves back to safety. He made the move to linebacker. He's bulked back up to play linebacker. And honestly, he's running with the threes right now at linebacker. Is he fully healthy? Is he fully recovered from all the different surgeries and injuries that he's dealt with? I don't know that for certain, but he is currently running with the third string on defense at linebacker. I would say at this point, the whole dream of Chaz Ayu being this just incredible player for the BYU defense I think it's gone out the window. But just enjoy what he's capable of contributing, whether it's on special teams or if he ends up as a backup for BYU this season. Or, like I said, if if it works out that he has some playing time and he has a big game-breaking play, celebrate it for what it is. This is a young man who has bled, sweat, and just uh, been injured time and time again, all in the name of making the BYU football program better. And I think we all owe him a debt of gratitude for putting on for BYU in that regard. I, I just don't see him moving back to safety. I think BYU's got options there. I, I expect that Talon Alfrey steps in alongside Malik Moore to be your starting safety tandem. You have young guys like uh, uh, Raider Damuni, who's a very highly thought of a safety prospect in his own right, coming home off of a mission. As soon as he figures out what he's doing in terms of like, the mental aspect of the game, where he puts together where he needs to be on the field and the, the play calls and that type of stuff, his physical tools are already very evident. It's just a matter of getting the defense down. And once he does that, the sky's the limit for a guy like that. So I, I think that the defense is set at safety, and you don't need to have you, you're not being forced to move Chaz Ayu. Is that out of the realm of possibility? No, it is not. But I just do not anticipate it happening. And frankly, like I said, anything that Chaz Ayu, Chaz Ayu offers to BYU this season, I, I'm going to celebrate it because this, like I said, this is a young man who has who has dealt with so much in his BYU career. He he had that legal situation, which turned out to be a little bit of a witch hunt. It felt like just there's so many things that have gone against him in his BYU career. And at this point, whatever he contributes, let's celebrate that. This is this is really a, a, a good story of him just battling through so many different things. And I'm hopeful he gets his time in the sun, so to say, to be able to celebrate his BYU run. This is his final season as a Cougar. And I hope it ends on a high note for him, honestly. And uh, I'm just, like I said, I'm just going to enjoy the ride with Chaz because it's his final run at BYU. And I'm hoping uh, everything goes as well as it possibly could go for him. All right. 
couple other notes before we go on today's show. Uh, BYU Women's Soccer, official home opener, season opener tonight at Southfield. They host number 21 St. Louis in a top 25 showdown tonight. It's uh, scheduled uh, for a 7 o'clock Mountain Time start. If you want to watch this, get out to Southfield. I'm sure there's probably a few tickets remaining. But if you want to watch it uh, just in terms of your TV, I hope you've subscribed to ESPN+. Plus. I've been saying this for months now, folks. If you want to watch the Olympic sports at BYU, ESPN Plus is a must. It costs $9.99 a month. I would encourage you to bundle it with Disney Plus and Hulu uh, and just get that bundle because it's a better uh, just overall package. Extra uh, channels, ways to watch stuff uh, for a lower price overall than if you were to subscribe to all three separately. But a big opportunity for BYU, ranked number 13 in the country, to start the season on the right foot as they take on the Billikens. Like I said, it's a top 25 showdown. So this is a really, really fun opener for BYU. They have notched five straight season opening wins, including a one nothing win over Cal State Fullerton just last year. Under the direction of head coach Jennifer Rockwood, they are 21-3-4 in season openers, 8-0-2 when opening their season on South Field. So they have never lost a home opener in a season an opener at Southfield, and I don't expect that to happen tonight, but we'll be watching that 7 o'clock Mountain Time once again for BYU and St. Louis. All right, final notes on today's show is we talked yesterday about the uh, the Oregon game that really in many ways I felt like kind of tipped the season for BYU in 2022, which they never really recovered from. It felt like uh, confidence was shot for a lot of guys after that humbling loss at Oregon. BYU returned the following week as they hosted longtime WAC and Mountain West rival Wyoming at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The Cowboys uh, were obviously up for the game. It ended up BYU winning this 38-24, to so a fairly comfortable win in the end. Uh, there was that celebration of the Black 14, and obviously it was a really, really kind of dark period for Wyoming and BYU when the Black 14 uh, deal went down. It was in the 1970s. It was late 60s, 70s, whatever it happened. It was fun to have members of the Black 14 come back to BYU and talk about the fact that they have uh, worked in concert with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to rebuild bridges that felt like they had been burned in the past, but the nice part was Jaron Hall went out and put on for BYU, 26-32, really, really not fine performance for him, 337 yards and four touchdowns, leads BYU to a win. They ranked number 19 after loss to Oregon. That pushed them to 3-1 on the season. So you're feeling okay. They got past it. Wyoming gave them, gave them trouble, but then they had a quick turnaround, a Thursday night game against Utah State in Provo once again. So just five days later, BYU hosts the battle for the old wagon wheel. Utah State was struggling at this point. They were one and three on the season. BYU still ranked number 19 at three and one, welcoming in the Aggies. And as it seems to be custom when BYU and Utah State have met of late, uh, quarterbacks taking hits. And that is what happened to Jaron Hall in this game. He finished 17 of 27 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. But as we all know, he ended up getting injured in this game and he needed all the time. They had the extra two days to get ready for that uh, Notre Dame game the following week down in Las Vegas. Uh, they needed to get him as healthy as possible and he was banged up. There was no doubt about that. And we'll talk more about Notre Dame tomorrow. But the biggest thing about these two games is they were both wins. BYU won this game 38-26. to So uh, a 14 and a 12-point margin are fairly comfortable margins of victory. They're not necessarily the, the most comfortable. And those of you who watch these games know that there were moments where it felt like it might have slipped the other way for BYU. But the nice part was the Cougars ground out wins. They were 4-1 and on the season after this. But it just never felt like BYU was back to what they were after Baylor uh, in these two games. It's just it, like I said, you, any of you who listen to this, and if you guys have a different thought, I welcome your feedback on this. But my takeaway was watching these games, and I was there watching these in person, 
It just felt like BYU was kind of scraping by. It, that's what it was. And then they were, it just felt like it was a matter of time before the wheels came off again. And uh, it felt like the wheels came off down in Las Vegas as BYU headed to Allegiant Stadium for the Shamrock Series game against Notre Dame, wearing those blackout uniforms. A great look. I was at that game in Las Vegas, and we'll talk about what happened with that one. That uh, just kind of another, another tipping point for BYU in a season that, looking back at 2022, what a wild year it was. But all the same, BYU gets these two wins over Wyoming and Utah State, and obviously we'll talk about what happened against Notre Dame on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. A quick reminder, once again, it is a mailbag Friday. If you got questions, please submit them now, and obviously we'll address as many, if not all of them, on tomorrow's edition of Locked on Cougars. So thank you once again, uh, before we go, for making this your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here. I just cannot do this podcast without y'all's support and cannot thank you guys enough for continuing to show up day after day after day uh, interacting, liking, rating, reviewing, do all the things you guys do to support this podcast. It means the world to me, and obviously I cannot thank you guys enough for the continued support. Until tomorrow, though, have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll be back with you guys on a Friday right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.